you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Can you hear me out there? Yeah. Feels like I need to yell. I can clearly hear you back here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever tried to take an extension cord that was all kind of wrapped up in a knot and, you know, get the knot out of it? You know that's feeling, right? You know, Say amen if you get it. Amen. So you know. Okay, so multiply that times 25, and you will know what our sanctuary looked like after last Sunday's service when all this stuff got taken inside. It was just a big mess of wires and stuff everywhere. Uh, but it was inside, which is where it needed to be. And I saw that mess, I think it was maybe... Uh, Thursday morning. So Thursday morning. How many days ago was that? Three days ago. And then they had worship practice on Thursday night. And so somebody came in here and straightened out all those cords. Think about that. You know who that somebody was? Lance Matson. And Jennifer. Yeah. The, the, the platform that I'm standing on is brand new as of Saturday. You know who built this? Lance and Jennifer. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Lance and Jennifer, this stuff would not be happening. So I praise God for you guys and what you do. Nobody sees it, and they need to, to know that, that you're doing it. And I, I thank God for you every day. I promised them a steak dinner at my house, but I might not be able to find the steak, so I don't know... <laughs> You know, I don't know if I'll be able to figure that out or not. But Well, we got started in the Sermon on the Mount last week in the series I'm calling Keep Shining. I think there's nothing in the... Uh, there's nothing our world needs more now than for uh, it to have more light. And the only place it's going to find it is the church because this is the place that we lift up Jesus. He's our leader. And so we're going to be spending time in the Sermon on the Mount learning from Him how... To shine. So I titled this message, Agents of Shine. Alright, let's read this, uh, verses 13 to 16. Really familiar words, I think, for most of us. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as uh, we come to your word today, um, so thankful that we have it, that we can learn from it, that it's it's new every time we read it, no matter how many times we read it. Our lives are changing, Lord. 
But your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and it's alive and it teaches us how to walk and how to shine. So we pray today that uh, we'd hear it with, with uh, new ears and your voice would be loud in our hearts that we'd be able to, to walk worthy as Thane prayed because you have done so much for us and you've given us the answer for what ails our hurting world. So Lord, fill us up today with this good word. Pray the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, most everybody's aware of the FBI, right? The Federal Bureau of Investigation. The FBI. Those are the good guys, no matter what the, the movies tell us sometimes. So the purpose of the FBI, you can find it on their website. Here's what it is. Protecting and defending the United States against terrorists and foreign intelligence threats. Upholding and enforcing the criminal laws of the United States and providing leadership and criminal justice services to federal, state, municipal, and international agencies and partners. So that's a pretty important mission that the FBI carries out from some 56 strategically located field offices in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. If you want to be part of the good guys, they employ about 12,000 special agents okay, to carry out that, that mission. So I, I know you're curious about how to become an FBI special agent. So here are the qualifications. You must be a U.S. citizen or a citizen of the Northern Marina Islands. Where are the Northern Marina Islands? I have no idea. South Pacific, thank you. It's a good homeschooler over there. <laughs> you must be at least 23 years of age, but younger than 37 upon your appointment as a special agent. You must possess a four-year college degree and have at least three years of professional work experience. You must have a valid driver's license and be, able, be available for assignment anywhere in the FBI's jurisdiction. So those are the qualifications. After that, they look for special skill sets in accounting and finance, engineering, IT, you know, uh, foreign languages, those kinds of things. Once you're past all of that, you got a physical fitness test, so get busy doing your push-ups and sit-ups, um, and then a background investigation. And at the end of all that process, the FBI ends up with some pretty special, special agents. When Jesus came the first time, he started a mission. And it was to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And through his life, death, and resurrection, he got that mission started. And so right now, we live in the time of two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world and its ruler, the devil, and there's the kingdom of God and its ruler, Jehovah. Now, God employs some pretty special, special agents of his own to accomplish the mission of bringing his kingdom to earth. The number of agents is really unknown. But the qualifications are not. Qualifications for service on God's mission is just one. To be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So that's the only qualification. When we're born, we're born into this world's kingdom. And when we're born again, by faith in Jesus, we are born into the kingdom of God. We become a citizen of His, of His kingdom 
And if that has happened to you, you know it's happened to you because you have a story of how you were once blind, but now you can see. And if it hasn't happened to you, today could be your day. Now, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you're qualified to be one of God's special agents. You could call yourself an agent of shine. No special skills required because God equips us for every good work that He has planned for us to do long ago. If you know Jesus, you follow Him in your life, you're part of His kingdom, and you're part of this mission, you are an agent of shine. Verses today are going to put some skin on the mission. They're going to give us an idea of what it, what it looks like. Jesus got it going when He came, and now through His agents of shine, God is spreading the good news that His kingdom is available by faith in His Son, Jesus. He's given us uh, a field instruction manual. You got one, I hope. If you don't, we'll give you one. Uh, this is, this is, uh, tells us how to shine, how to follow His Son. God has countless field offices around the world where His agents gather together for worship and training, and then they get sent out. Today, hoping Jesus' words will do just that for us. Send us out to accomplish this mission. Verse 13 is the first description of what our mission looks like. we got to understand this is a mission of influence. A mission of influence. This is what Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. The most common use of salt in Jesus' day was the preservation of food. They didn't have refrigerators and freezers, you know, preserve their food to keep it from spoiling, so they used salt to slow down the decay process. So agents of shine, as salt of the earth, were supposed to have a similar impact on our world. We're supposed to slow the decay. And our lives are to be an influence for God's kingdom. His good grace flowing through us to others. So we're fighting. We're fighting this war on poverty and we're fighting a war on hunger, um, helping somebody find a job, helping them learn how to read. Um, all those are part of this mission, being a mentor. We, we take our lives and apply them to people in this world. And when we do that, we have this preservation impact, influence in their life. We slow the decay. Now, salt does more than that. It, it also adds flavor to what we eat. And probably the most common use for salt today, for us, is putting it on our food. If you've ever tried to eat a low-sodium diet, you know how difficult that is. You also know how tasteless the food is. It's really just like eating rabbit food all the time. <laughs> Agents of shine are going to bring a flavor to life uh, that they that that you really can't find anywhere else, and it, it's it's all of life, and the Bible instructs us how to do that. Um, but just one example is even how we talk. Okay, Colossians four six gives us some instructions. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There's a flavor to our words. Agents of shine ought to be. Leading people to have spiritual conversations. So do your words do that? Do they have a, a spiritual flavor to them? 
It's a good question. <laughs> salt also has an influence on our thirst. And when we take in something salty, it makes you want to drink something wet. Last night I made this bowl of popcorn. And it, uh, it, we have a popcorn popper at home, and so you got to put in the right amount of you know, popcorn kernels and oil and salt. And I don't even ever remember the recipe. So I, I'm always guessing. And so last night, and I do make the best popcorn in the house. Hands down. But, but last night, I put on too much salt. And I still need water. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm right... I, thing, where'd that bottle of water go, man? It was right. <laughs> I still need it because salt makes you thirsty. So, being the salt of the earth, our lives ought to make people thirsty for God. So, as we hang around them, they hang around us. They get to know us. They ought to go curious about what makes us tick. Uh, they, they ought to hear something in our words. They ought to see something in our behavior. How come? Because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And He bears these fruits, you know, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these fruits are born when the Holy Spirit fills us. It, it comes out of us. It doesn't matter what's going on around us because it's, it's happening inside of us and it's coming out. And so that ought to cause people to be thirsty for God. Now, most of what Jesus said wasn't about how to be salty. It was more about how salt becomes worthless. He said that if salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything except to throw it out and, and walk on it. Well, salt can't lose its saltiness because it's salt. So how do we understand what Jesus is saying? Well, there's two, two ways. First of all, salt is only good when it gets applied to something. Okay, if it stays in the salt shaker, there, it has no influence on anything because it's still in the salt shaker. So agents of shine, that stay, if we stay huddled in our field offices reading our instruction manual on how to shine, we're, we're not going to be able to carry out the mission that God has for us. So we've got we to leave the salt shaker and go apply ourselves uh, to the people of the world. And the other way that it loses its saltiness is it gets diluted with some other substance. For instance, if you take a bunch of sand and you pour it in the salt shaker, when you use the salt shaker full of sand and salt and you put that on food, it doesn't do any good. It's not going to be edible, whatever you put it on. So how does this happen to God's special agents? Well, we, we live in, in a world that has an influence as well. And agents of shine are not immune to the influence of the world. And so if we're not deliberate and intentional about saturating our lives with the things of God, then we will drift toward our surroundings. And we will just look like the people of the world. Sands poured in our salt shaker by, by the world. And so we've got to give our lives to the things of God, His Word, His people, His mission. And then we become useful. So the question for you today is, what has more influence in my life? Does the world have more influence on me? Or do I have more influence on the world? Does the world have more influence on me? Or do I have more influence on the world? D.A. Carson, you know that name? 
Uh, he is a New, no, a New Testament professor at my alma mater, Randy's alma mater, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He's an author and he's a theologian and he's co-founder of the Gospel Coalition. When D.A. Carson was in college as an undergrad, he led an evangelistic Bible study. And he admitted that when someone came to the Bible study that, you know, was kind of over his head and he sort of felt out of his depth, you know, the skeptical guy or the, the real doubter, he would take him to this guy named Dave who had this really bold witness for Christ. And so there was this one time where he Carson took this young man to Dave and this young man said to Dave, I came from a family who doesn't believe in a literal resurrection and all that stuff. That's just a bit too much for us. But you know, we're a good church-going family. We love each other. We care for each other. We do good in the community. What do you have that I don't have? And Dave said to him, Watch me. You come and live with me. I got a spare bedroom. I got a mattress. You can come and stay with me. You watch how I live my life. You watch how I spend my time. You watch how I speak to people and what's important to me. If you come and do that for three months and after three months, you tell me there's no difference between me and you. Well, the young man, he didn't take Dave up on his offer, but he did start hanging around him. And he saw how Dave was living his Christian life. He saw the difference between what a religious life looks like and what a life with a living God looks like. And that young man gave his life to Christ and became a medical missionary. D.A. Carson concluded this from Dave's challenge. He said, A Christian is saying, in effect, I'm one poor beggar telling another poor beggar where to find bread. I drank deeply from the wellsprings of grace and I need to drink more of it. God knows. If you watch me, you're going to see glimmerings of our Savior. And ultimately, you'll want to fasten yourself to Him. So watch me. How salty is your life today? How salty is your life today? Do you have an influence on others that moves them toward God, towards the kingdom of God? Do your, do your words flavor conversations toward the spiritual? Are you making people thirsty for God? If somebody came and moved in with you for three months... Would they see a difference? Somebody with a, with a really good religious resume, you know, church going, helping the community, loving the family. If they moved in with you, would they see a difference? Would they be influenced to the place where they knew they needed a Savior? You know, Christianity, the gospel, it does not make bad people good. It makes people dead in their sin come alive in Jesus Christ. They are born again. Agents of shine. We are on a mission of influence in this world. And incredibly, incredibly, God uses our convictions, our holiness, and our passions to draw people to Himself as we lift up Jesus. How do you increase your saltiness? Spend ample time with your Savior. Let Him just speak to you about your life. Do what we sang. Offer your life to Him. Make Him your everything. And then get out there because you're going to stand out. 
You'll stand out from the world if you do that. So we have this mission of influence. Verses 14 to 16, another part of the mission. We are also on a mission to illuminate. I like that word. Illuminate. You guys are all glowing out there in the sun. This is perfect illustration for me. It's beautiful. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Listen to these facts about light and think of them in terms of being the light of the world. Okay? So darkness is just the absence of light. Darkness is just the absence of light. We actually don't see anything until light enters our eyes. That's a pretty good picture of salvation, I think. Most of what we see is just light being reflected off of objects. And when light illuminates an object, it puts pressure on it. Light never loses. It always defeats darkness. So light was created to illuminate. In Jesus' words, they seem to say, though, that there'll be this tendency to hide the light away for fear of the darkness. Now, we live in New Palestine, about 10 miles south of here. And where we live, there's a lot of light pollution in the night sky. And so we got light from Indianapolis, we got light from Washington Square, and, you know, different neighborhoods. On... Uh, on Friday nights during football season, we're about four miles from New Palestine High School. When they, we always know when they have a home football game because there's this glow on the horizon, you know, from this stadium and there are lights shining up into the sky. And I, I thought, you know, in Jesus' day, there was zero light pollution. I can't imagine seeing the sky when, it, when the moon wasn't out. It would have been amazing. Uh, but he's saying when, when there's a city there with oil lamps in it, it's going to give off a glow of some kind. You can't hide the city on a hill at night because light always casts out darkness. It'd be like that football stadium, just a little less or a lot less. <laughs> so Jesus says you don't put this lamp that you light in the house away. You don't put it under a basket and hide it. You put it on a stand so it can illuminate the whole room. Um, as much darkness as possible. So there's a specific purpose for light, and that is to illuminate. So agents of shine, as we're fighting in this uh, in this war with the kingdom of darkness, uh, that kingdom can look kind of scary at times, and it can cause us to shrink back. But Jesus calls us the light of the world, so we have a purpose. Uh, we were born again to shine for the kingdom of God, to illuminate the kingdom of God, and we have to do that while we're living in enemy territory. This is occupied country. So what does darkness look like in the world? Well, I think we can just read a few headlines and we can, we can know. Um, but here in, in Galatians 5, 19 to 20, there's a, there's a pretty good list of what darkness looks like. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's a description of darkness. And people live that kind of life. They make their life about those things, about the darkness. And when you bring God's light into that darkness, many people are not going to like it because it exposes their, their deeds. And then shame kicks in. And two things, one of two things will happen. People will run from the light while they're calling you names, they're calling you hateful, you can't tell me that about me, you know, you're really wrong, I'm right. And that's the other thing. They start. They will fight. They will defend their actions. They will call what is evil good and what is good evil. And when that happens, you know Satan is, is, is right there involved. That is his strategy. So how do we do this? How do we shine our light? It is not so much us calling out the darkness. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. He tells us to use our good works. And our good works is how we shine light into the darkness of people's lives. He said, remember Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift. A gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So God's purpose in our salvation wasn't just bringing us to Him. It was also so that we would bring Him to others by our good works that He planned for us to do long ago. He's recruited agents of shine and we shine our light by doing good in people's lives. The, the people that are in the darkness. Now, light bulbs give off heat. Even the new ones, they give, off, they give off heat. And what that heat means is that something is being consumed. There's an energy that is being consumed. And so when we are shining our light, it means that we're, it's going to cost us something. It's, you know, it might be time, it might be money, um, it might be our reputation. Um, it's going to cost us something. When we follow Christ to pick up our cross and follow Him, we're, we're giving ourselves to the mission. Everything. We're not holding back anything. If we do, we won't be able to do it. And so it's going to cost us something to feed a hungry person, to clothe somebody who doesn't have any clothes, to give a roof to somebody who's homeless. It's going to cost us something to babysit for a single mom for free. It's good to pay for someone's meal in a restaurant. It costs us a little bit. It's good to forgive. It costs us our bitterness. It's good to restore, to reconcile. It is good to bring things back together that are falling apart. Bringing families back together, marriages back together, businesses, careers. All those things are so good to be able to do but it will cost us something. Are you willing to burn a little energy to make a little heat to be able to do the good works that God has planned for you to do long ago? Patrick Green of San Antonio, Texas, he had this long history of fighting with Christians in the community. 
At one point, he wanted to sue the county, Henderson County, for the yearly manger scene they put up at the courthouse. <laughs> he said, my wife and I have never had a Christian do a single nice thing for us. He was being interviewed by a local paper. Well, all of that changed in March of 2012 when Green found out he needed to have an eye surgery for a detached retina. But he didn't have the money to do it, and he lost his cab driving job because of his eye problem. Jessica Cry was a member of Sand Springs Baptist Church, and she heard about Green's predicament. She called her pastor, Eric Graham, and said, we need to do something. And so Eric calls Green and asks him how they could help. And Green very skeptically said, well, if you really want to do something, we need some groceries. So pastor said, okay, I'll take care of it. So Green was thinking, yeah, I'll get 50 bucks in the mail, maybe 100 A few days later, he got a check for $400. And a few days later after that, another check. And then another check. Green thought, it says, Green was flabbergasted. That's what it says. He was flabbergasted. And this is what he said. I thought I was in the twilight zone. These people were acting like the Christians in the Bible. <laughs> you know, we got a lot going against us. We got a lot going against us when it comes to our mission of showing people the love of God through our good works. We miss opportunities. You know, we get self-absorbed. We got our own struggles and, and trials in life. We 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 don't speak up sometimes when when we should, and sometimes we say something that was the wrong thing to say. But listen, all we got to do is remember this: that every single day, this is true. If light shines, darkness loses. And that ought to get us up every day to be able to go out and do some good work. So, agents of shine, agents of shine, this is your mission if you decide to accept it. That is to illuminate. <laughs> to illuminate. And then one final part. It's in the last little part of verse 16, but it's not little in our mission. In fact, it's the whole ballgame. We, we have a mission with intention. A mission with intention. See, agents of shine are not promoting themselves. We're not going out trying to get our name lifted up. Agents of shine are not going out to get the name of their church lifted up. We're not trying to make a name for our church. What we're wanting to do is see people praise God. We're wanting to see people give glory to God like Jesus says. He said that in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as we go out and we shine our light and we apply our salt, when we have a chance, we need to point people to God. We need to bring Him up. I believe the costlier the good deed, the better chance there is for us to be able to say why we are doing it. For someone to give glory to God, think about what that means. It means, first of all, that they acknowledge that He is there and that He is God. That's a pretty big step. And then the second thing it means is they are acknowledging that they have received something good from Him. And so they're, they're praising and thanking Him instead of, instead of us. So those are huge things to happen in someone's life, for them to acknowledge that God is there and that they've received something from Him. That's crazy good. And that can happen, Jesus says, when we shine with our good works. And so for that to happen, 
Um, they need to know what is motivating us to do what we're doing. Why we're doing the good. Why we're, you know, like that we've been blessed and we're just passing this blessing along because that's what God wants us to do. So when somebody thanks you for the good work that you do for them, you could say something like this. Well, listen, I believe that's what Jesus would do. And I'm living my life for Him because He gave His life for me. Can you imagine saying that? I mean, is that like totally out of the blocks thinking for you? Somebody says, hey, thank you for doing that for me. You know what? It's just what Jesus would do. I I believe that's what Jesus would do. And I'm following Him. He gave gave His life for me and I'm trying to give, give my life to Him. Or, or you could say something like this, you know, you really shouldn't be thanking me. I'm not the one to thank because if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't even have seen you. I mean, you say things like that and that kind of sets the table to pop the question. Would you want to know more about Christ? And then just see where God takes that conversation. It's not very hard, but it is kind of scary <laughs> to do that. You know, one time I was in Lowe's, and it was uh, it was at night, and it was it was just pouring down rain. I was in the cashier line, and the guy in front of me he was soaking wet to the bone. He was carrying a, he was buying a gas can, and I heard his story. Told the cashier that he'd run out of run out of gas on Interstate 70, and uh, he was delivering roofing materials at the end of his day for a job that he was going to do the next day. And so he starts on his way toward the door, and when he started, I said, "Hey, could I give you a ride?" I mean, it's like pouring down rain, gully washer, frog strangler stuff. You know, you know that kind of thing. And so he says, yeah, <laughs> I would love that. And so the cashier looked at me and she goes, well, that was awful nice of you. And I said, well, it's just, I think that's what Jesus would do. And that's all I said. So then I get this guy and I take him to the gas station and then I get him out to Interstate 70. So in that time, um, we had time, I asked him about his family, I asked him you know, what he did for a living. And so he is—he was nice, and he asked me. And you know, if you ever ask me what I do for a living, boy, it opens up the door to talk about God. <laughs> so you know, I'm not telling you to lie or anything, but you just say you're a pastor, because <laughs> we are a kingdom of priests, you know, right? So just keep that in mind. Uh, but you could say, when somebody asks you what you do, here's what you could say: I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That opens the door wide to talk about him. So anyway, we had this conversation. I prayed for him. He got out, put the gas in the car, on his way. And I went home 45 minutes late and uh, was praying, you know, Lord, I pray that light, you know, did some good in that guy's life and in the cashier's life. We, the thing is, we got to be intentional. we got to be intentional about getting to Jesus with people. You know, his name is only used in our world as a curse word. You know, in profanity. We've got to be able to speak His name. When we shine His light into people's lives, they are not going to get there on their own. They aren't going to go, man, you're an amazing follower of Jesus if we never say we are. You know, they're just going to think we're a nice human being. Maybe an exceptionally nice human being. But they need help seeing why we're doing what we're doing. Now, you don't have to be pushy. And you certainly don't have to get into an argument. Just ask the question that would open a door to a spiritual conversation. And maybe God leads someone a step closer to faith in His Son. Maybe He uses you to help that person take that final step. But you'll never know 
unless you speak the name of Jesus. So we've got a mission with intention. It is so easy to stop at the good work and think we're doing, we're doing what God wants us to do. Well, we're doing part of what God wants us to do. Many churches today have sold out to the social gospel. The social gospel is giving a cold, cup of cold water, working on this right here, and Jesus never comes up. People never hear about what He's done for them, dying on the cross for their sins. And they never hear, or they're never given an opportunity to believe in Him for everlasting life. If they never get that chance, they won't come to Him. And you know what happens when, when, you, when, they, when we start giving people chances? People believe in Jesus. It's, it's amazing. We're not going out there on our own. This is God's mission. We're just joining Him. So let Him lead you. Because He will if you give yourself to it. I do not want to be somebody who hides my light under a basket. I do not want to be somebody who's afraid to speak the name of Jesus and then have to stand before Him and say, I couldn't say your name to people. Can you say His name? Can you say it? Let's say it. One, two, and let's say it together. One, two, three. Jesus! Come on. Tell Him. One, two, three. Jesus! That's way better than geese. So we, we are here on mission. We need to be intentional and get to Jesus with people. We need to illuminate this world with our good works. And we need to influence people to attract them to God. Are you ready? Are you ready for this agent of shine? Let's stand. Now I thought before uh, before we pray, I thought it would be good if we would sing a song of commitment to this mission. Now the words are not in your bulletin, so I hope that you know them. I have a feeling that you do. So join me. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Come on, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. I don't believe you. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Are you going to do it? Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a mission you have for us. It is good. It is worthy. Something that will outlast us. Something that will make a difference for eternity. Lord, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would fill us. That his fruits would bear abundantly in our lives in this world. When we go out there, we are never off duty wherever we go, 24-7, home, work, 
the park, mire, traveling. We're never off duty in this mission. But you've given us everything. You've given us a light to shine. You've rescued us from darkness. You give us new mercy every day. And even if we failed yesterday, you pick us back up today, dust us off, and send us out to do your will. Lord, it's very clear. It's very simple and clear, the words of Jesus. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. But we cannot do it in our own strength. We have nothing in us but you to accomplish this. So Lord, help us surrender our lives in a way that in the moments that we have that you give us every day, that we'd have eyes to see those opportunities to to shine, to be influential, to illuminate, to be intentional about bringing up Jesus. Lord, our world is in desperate need of your light. So we offer ourselves today to that mission. And all God's people said, Amen.